airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's On American Family Radio. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And um, we'll open the phone lines up in the last segment. Got a lot of information I want to talk about today and um, just kind of have a discussion about some things that are in the news mm-hmm. and um, hopefully make some connections and, and just show the kind of rank hypocrisy that we're dealing with yeah. uh, in people these days. And when <laughs> you can do a parallel, kind of do a side-by-side, you can see um, that hypocrisy. Also want to continue on in our role as watchmen, whereby yeah. we warn the body of Christ. Um, I don't like to give trigger warnings, but <laughs> I find myself doing it a lot. Um, I guess I could, I could appease my conscience by calling it a disclaimer, um, which is like the <laughs> 1980s trigger warning. Yeah. The <laughs> disclaimer is what we called it. You know, 21st century, it's called a trigger warning. 1980s, 90s, early 2000, it was just a disclaimer. Um, I guess I'll, <laughs> you know, so so look, when we are, and this this can be very troubling for people, or sometimes it can be ref- refreshing. Mm. I don't know. It just depends on where you fall. But when we are trying to get as close to the word of God as possible, there are times that we're going to fall out of agreement with people or entities that we like. Right. Right. That's not a comfortable place to be. There is a type of dissonance that's really difficult for Christians to wrestle with when we're like, wait a minute, we thought we all agreed around here. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it's like yeah. you, you, you realize that so much of what we have developed has really been herd practice of Christianity. Mm. We do it best when we stick together, mm-hmm. you know, so we don't know how to function. If in our group, there are people who depart from the truth, we don't know what to do with them. And in fact, this isn't new, though. You know, the scriptures are replete. The New Testament, let me say, in dealing with those who are among us who are causing problems. This is called church discipline. Yeah. This discipleship. Like, you know, so so believers have a problem knowing instinctively what to do with someone who departs from the truth. Mm. It's a part of our humanity that we're just like we would rather coddle people. Right. Versus mourn, as the Apostle Paul put it Mm. in first Corinthians, you should be mourning. Right. You should be. This should grieve you. Right. So because it's not innate, because we don't know that, you know, um, when a person uh, threatens to bring shame upon the name of the Lord, that we are supposed to correct them. We are supposed to rebuke them. And because the culture has done an incredible job making us feel like if we do any of those things that we are hateful Mm -hmm. or that we are bigots because Mm -hmm. we don't know this we find ourselves being way more comfortable to just sort of like not say anything. Mm -hmm. And if the person is popular, oh, you can forget about it. Right. You can hang it up. Right. All right. If they have long held our trust, then we're like, oh, okay. I don't know what this means. It's almost like you you, you would say, well, maybe I'm wrong. Or, you know, even if (laughs) that's exactly right. You've been convinced that the word says this or that this is right or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. When you see certain people, say something different from what you're saying you're like oh well maybe you start to think that you've missed it mm-hmm. or that maybe in some ways what you're holding on to 
is um, a long kind of played out tradition. Ah, that yeah. You should, that you should I need at to get this with point, the times. Yeah, 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 that you should get over it yeah. at this point. Um, I want to encourage you today that, um, you know, what we hold on to in the word of God is the truth. Amen. All right. Capital T. Yeah. And that's that's if, if you guys listen to this program, um, we have one note. <laughs> right. And it might be boring to some people. We have one note, but it is biblical authority. And we stand on it flat footed and broad shouldered. We stand on the word of God. Amen. It doesn't make us popular with everybody at all times, but that's OK. Mm. That is OK. You know, and our encouragement is that as we watch what is happening in the culture, as we watch what is happening in the church, mm -hmm. where you think that standing on the word of God is automatic, I assure you, my friend, it isn't. Right. There are people <laughs> in the church who are not standing on the word of God. They're standing on pop cultural opinion. Come on. Now. And so those of us who are faithful, who are reading the word of God, we've got to know what it says so that we can rebuke in love. But please understand that love does not mean the absence of rebuke. Mm. rebuke in love. I mean, come on. It's, you know, it is, it is unloving. I say it's hateful. This is the real hate to know what the Bible says about sin and to know what the Bible says about the coming judgment of the Lord and to keep that from people because you want them to like you. Mm. You're I, I, I don't have space for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't get that, that you're like, you love you so much that you can't be uncomfortable around people right now for a moment. For a moment. Or what's worse, you're not really convinced that what you believe is actual factual. Mm. And that's really troubling. Yeah. I mean, that's really troubling. I was reading in Second Peter this morning, and um, one of the things I was reminded of in First Peter, or I'm sorry, in Second in Peter chapter one, how Peter knows by way of the Holy Spirit, like the Lord has revealed to him that, okay, that, that you're nearing the end. Mm -hmm. You're about to die. Like this is it, right? And he writes this in his second letter in second Peter chapter one. I'm going to start at verse 12. This is what he says. And then I want to jump to the end of this letter that he writes. Right. And kind of use this as a backdrop for some of the discussion that we're going to have today okay. <laughs> because it's not going to be comfortable for people. <laughs> okay. I shouldn't laugh when I say that. It's just nervous laughter. It's not, it's not <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it, because right, I know that it makes people like uncomfortable. It's not like you get a thrill out of that. <laughs> uh, do you <laughs> i mean i don't <laughs> but i'm not afraid of it yeah you know yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like i'm not okay so here we go <laughs> what is you cannot follow jesus christ and not be bold mm. do you understand you know so can i we have all kinds of factions mm -hmm. i want to say this real quick and then I'll, I'll turn to the scripture we have all kinds of factions and splits and um conferences on what we believe about what the holy spirit allows for us to have when he comes to indwell us was there tongues is there not tongues is tongues for today is it not for today and is it baptism of the holy spirit is it the filling is it the indwell? we don't know and so we do conferences and we and we <laughs> to death over the, the work of the holy spirit but you know what we boldness yeah we can all agree on that i hope boldness we see that in the scripture you want you want it let's do a holy <laughs> spirit conference on the fact that he gives you boldness that's right so why do we have so many weak and cowering christians i don't understand mm. I don't understand some of them who can tell me what the Holy Spirit isn't doing anymore today, <laughs> but don't have boldness Come to stand on. on the truth. I'm like, so are you qualified to tell me that? I don't mm. know that you are. I don't know that you are. So here we go. Here we, here's Peter, right? And, and Peter says this, second Peter chapter one, verse 12. He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. And you have to go back and read what precedes uh, of these qualities, though, you know them and are established in the truth that you have. 
I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Hmm. <laughs> so he knows that he's about to die. Mm-hmm. Right. You do your church history. You know that he is in prison under Nero. Yeah. All right. So Peter's going to die under Nero. Both Peter and Paul, as a matter of fact. Verse 15, he says, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. You should read this letter and you should read this as the type of final word that it is coming from the apostle Peter. And then in the third chapter, as he gets to the end and he's talking about these scoffers who are going to come. Oh, where's the day of his coming? You guys have been saying this since the fathers fell asleep. Where's this coming? Mm. We don't know. And, and you have the Apostle Peter who appeals to what God has already done. Right. To the promises right. that have already been fulfilled. That's right. To the work of creation, what, what God has already done with his word. And he says, so look, <laughs> know that these things have already happened. Mm-hmm. So those things that are foretold to happen, they are going to happen. That's right. These things are going to happen. And then this is what he says. Verse 11 of chapter 3. He says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, as he's just gone through and talking about how the end is going to happen the second time, Mm -hmm. how the earth is going to be destroyed. He says, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? What sort of people are you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? And that is my question today. Mm. What sort of people are we to be? in lives of holiness and godliness. Are we the kinds of people that we take the convenient position in culture as the culture changes? And, and see, when you do that, you never know what your position is going to be because it's, it's always, always shifting. That's exactly right. Wherever culture goes, that's where, that's where you are. And so there are some people, you have friends, and you know I'm telling you the truth right now. You have friends that you're not even sure that you can connect with them at a heart level because they have so secularized right in front of your eyes. Mm. And you go, but wait a minute. We are still reading the same Bible, sis. <laughs> Hold on, sis. We're still reading the same Bible. And, and they would say, yes, yes, I am. And I'm also. Mm. Okay. Right. That's, yeah. what, that's what we're battling with. You've got, you've got people. I'm, it's, I, I'm reading the word, but I'm also. Mm. I'm pulling in these influencers. Right. And I'm pulling in these people in culture. And so let me tell you something. When the Bible is not enough for the people of God. Do you understand that there is no foundation firm enough for them? They will constantly be running to something else, constantly changing, and you don't know how to handle these people. Yeah. And so why am I saying that? I'm saying that because, look, you know, one of the things that we do, Addison's here, <laughs> is, um, you know, we don't, have, we don't have any sacred cows. No. Unfortunately, it makes people uncomfortable, it makes people nervous. Um, but there is a number that is being done on the body of Christ today. Yeah. Okay. Big time. Whereby people are confused and they, they don't know where to stand because they are pulling in, um, quote unquote, different authorities on mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the Bible's not sufficient. So they go with, you know, their cultural newsmaker. Mm. So it's like, what is so-and-so saying? Mm-hmm. I've talked to people. It's, it's been so surprising to me. You know, I've, I, let me say this. I've communicated with people. And in the communication, 
It is astounding to me how quickly they will run to their favorite teacher to give me a defense for their position and not the word of God. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like, no, no, hold on a second. You've so <laughs> right. you alone will stand before the Lord God. And here's the thing. Your favorite Bible teacher may be accurate, mm-hmm. but the fact that you are incapable of defending your position biblically is troubling to me. Yeah. It's yeah. troubling to me. Yeah. The person you like, like, for example, someone tagged me in a post today with Jen Hatmaker. Mm. Jen Hatmaker, who was on a trip. Now, I was unfamiliar with this woman. I didn't know she was like a big deal in like Christian women evangelicalism. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Until like maybe a couple years ago right. that people started saying, oh, my goodness, have you heard Jen Hatmaker is now affirming homosexuality? <laughs> and I was like, who's Jen who Hatmaker? <laughs> I don't know who that is. Well, now I know who she is. And someone tagged me in a post today because she was out. It was some kind of girl strip or something. And, and they spotted a guy from Queer Eye. And she, you know rallies all these women to yell out, we love you. Mm. We, we want you to know that we love you. <laughs> and, now, and, 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 and everybody's just so excited and they love that, you know, Jen Hatmaker mm-hmm. is building bridges. Yeah. Right? And then there are people who are shocked. They're like, I can't believe they're crushed because Jen Hatmaker is turned. Well, I mean, you know, your face should never have rested in Jen Hatmaker. Right, right. Now look, please make no mistake about it. I know that we have people who the Lord uses in incredible ways. Right. And we're blessed by their ministries. But we have got to be so steeped in the word of God that when people start to veer away from it, look, we, we intercede for them. Mm-hmm. We plead with them. Mm-hmm. We implore them, please repent. Yeah. Turn back. Yeah. And the, and the problem I, I hear what, what you're saying about the Jen Hatmaker thing, it's not that we're not supposed to love, you know, people who are in sin and, and stuff like Correct. that. Correct. But a lot of times, these people are trying to make statements to say, I affirm you. Not, That's exactly not, it's right. It's not just, I love you. It's, I affirm you, you know, uh, just how you are. We care about you. That, that kind of thing. And that's the problem, you know, that I see happening with this type of stuff. And I'm glad that you clarified that because that's exactly the point that I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. That's, it, is, it is the statement. Every one of us loves you. Mm-hmm. We don't have a problem. Your lifestyle is not an issue for mm-hmm. us. You understand it is it is showing your hall pass yeah. to the culture. Yeah. Yeah. I have a right to be here. I love you. I'm expressing that so that you know that I have a right to be here in the culture. Mm-hmm. All right. When we get back, we are going to discuss the use of personal pronouns. Mm. And it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> Aaron, the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. If you're talking to a transgender person, knowing all of that stuff, what pronoun should you use? So you're not going to let me get by with... Uh, yeah. yeah, okay, so fair enough. Well, let me just kind of lean on Andrew Walker here and, yeah. and the, the book God and the Transgender Debate. You know, he points out, and I actually think this is charitable and accurate, Christians disagree. 
Hmm. And I think they should disagree charitably about what is the right thing to do specifically with pronoun usage. You know, some people on one side are going to say, um, hey, we got to tell the truth. And the truth is this person is male or female. So I would be lying if I called somebody who was female identified as male. There's others that say, well, you know, look, as a courtesy, you should uh, refer to a transgender person by their preferred pronoun. And it's sort of a generosity of spirit kind of approach. And you see evidence in the, in the Bible of that. And so it, you kind of got those, the arguments that I've heard go basically along those two lines. Is it a generosity of spirit or is it you telling the truth? Personally, I think, again, this ought to be a charitable discussion. I lean a little bit toward generosity of spirit. That's where Andrew Walker, you know, that's where he also is. You know, it's if, if a transgender person came into you know, our church came into my life. I think my disposition would be to refer to them by their preferred pronoun. When we want to talk about gender, I, I will be clear with them on the truth. Yeah. Y- the question is just, is, is, is that the battlefront that you want to choose? Hmm. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. That's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, J.D. Greer. Yeah. And... Um, he, this is a podcast where he's asked the question, do you use a person's preferred pronouns when you're talking to them? Um, and as you heard in that clip, he says, you know, this is a question that, you know, Christians are not sure. We just, we just don't, we just don't know. Right. <laughs> There's a debate around that, you know, um, do we engage in something called like, you know, uh, what is it? Gender uh, charity or pronoun charity or whatever, yeah, cultural gen- charity, generosity, or, generosity or, or whatever. Generosity of spirit or something you said. <laughs> I don't know. But here's the problem. He he uh, refers to Andrew Walker. He uses, um, a, uh, refers to another man. I forget his first name. I, the and last the name is Sprinkle. Sprinkle. Yeah. And I remember um, this individual when I was researching, looking into the Revoice um, conference and his involvement and his pro-homosexuality um, activism and uh, misleading within the church, hmm. and and I go and and this is this is a part of the problem that I think we have in the church today, that when we when we're trying to find a way to appease the culture, we look for other opinion yeah. makers, yeah. those that we can kind of hang our hat on that stand uh-huh. there, and you know, they're sort of accepted. Yeah. They're kind of, you know, so it's not really that I'm saying this. I just kind of am going with what they say. So um, so basically you find somebody who you feel like, you know, uh, is, has a comfortable uh, stance on it. And so you don't look like a bigot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because if this person is saying, you know, well, uh, well, he, he, he leans to, he said he will use the, the preferred pronoun and, and he was in, in J.D. Griss said, I, I lean towards that. And yeah. then he mentioned this guy. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where he stands he says, as well. He it's says, almost like I'm association. Gonna, I'm going to quote him here. He says, personally, I lean a little bit toward generosity of spirit. Generosity of and, spirit. And that is where Andrew Walker is. So in other words, if a transgender person came into his life, J.D. Greer is saying that I would use the person's preferred pronouns. Notice that he also says if a person is really uncomfortable, they could just use that person's name. I don't know. Just, is that in the second uh, yeah. clip? Is that in the second clip? We have the second clip? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, let's go to that in just a second. But, but here's the thing. Where is the biblical defense for telling lies to people? Well, he gives no biblical defense. In, well, in this clip, he, he cites a person you know, in a person's book. And okay. what they, you know, like it's, it's he, there's none. Now, he tried to give some examples 
that the guy used in his book from the Bible as, you know, certain ways to uh, make comparisons to <laughs> okay. this. But he gives no biblical explanation. So basically he's saying if it's a, a man that is dressed like a, a woman, he will. Presenting as a woman. Yeah, it, presenting as a woman. That's what he will refer to as a woman. I, I mean, that's that's simple. That's what he's saying. Shall we hear the second clip? Yeah. Roll it. I do think, and Andrew Walker points this out, I got another guy named Preston Sprinkle, um, had some good thoughts on this, that, that you do see in the Bible this kind of evidence of generosity and accommodation of spirit in simple things like, you know, when, when they refer to different gods in the Old Testament. I mean, we know there's only one God. Yeah. And, but there's a sense in which I don't know if I'm going to draw the battlefront there. I'm going to declare the truth, and then I'm going to speak with clarity, and I don't know if I'm, you know, if the pronoun is exactly the place that I have to, you know, do it. A couple of analogies that may, or a couple of illustrations may help. You know, when, when missionaries have been going into um, tribes where there were polygamous, yeah. you know, do they, what do they do when a, guy, when a chief has 10 wives? you take the first one and call her wife and refuse to call anybody else a wife because a man can only be married to one wife? Is that yeah. what you do? Or um, if somebody that is divorced, you know, and unlawfully divorced in our culture, you know, Jesus says that he never really relinquished his marriage and, you know, that he's yeah. actually married to this other woman, even though he's divorced her and the woman he's lived with now. So do you, do you insist on calling the former woman his wife and this current woman the adulteress? Yeah. And like every time that's how you refer yeah. to him? Well, you know, I don't think there's evidence, you know, for doing that. I think you, I think there's a generosity of spirit that you can communicate there. Um, I've heard it called pronoun hospitality. Mm. And I think it's, I, I, that's the way that I, I would, I would lean in this. I would say there's a, you know, this is one of those perhaps Romans 14 situations where you're, you know, you need to do what your conscience is yeah. allowing you to do. And if you just really feel like I can't, then I, I love what, what Andrew Walker says. He says, it's probably best to just avoid using a pronoun altogether. Now, okay, man, there's so much in that. There's so much in that. <laughs> and there's a lot of mumbo jumbo too. First of all, um, <laughs> you're dealing with facts over feelings. Yeah. So if you have a missionary who goes into a, a, a tribe or goes into an area where a person is married to more than one woman, mm-hmm. factually, that is true. Mm-hmm. That's what you're dealing with. That's what you're navigating. Now, that's you, you're going to get the gospel to those people. Do you mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? Right. But you're dealing with facts. So right. in their culture, they're actually married to each of these women. Mm-hmm. Th- that's a fact. Mm-hmm. All right. Same thing with wrestling, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities mm-hmm. and spiritual wickedness. Mm-hmm. So you do have demonic high manifestations over different areas right. that even manifest themselves as gods that are worshipped by people. Mm-hmm. Those are facts. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are facts. Right. All right. So you're telling me. That recognizing facts now saying and even when you look, man, when you look at um, Paul and the question about eating meat sacrificed to idols, he says, we know that this idol has no power over us. So if you can eat this meat mm-hmm. sacrificed to this idol but, and your conscience is clear, you do it. He says, but if a person sees you having this freedom, eating this meat, but is made to stumble because they believe somehow you're eating this meat in worship of this God, then don't do it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then you have sinned against your brother for whom Christ died. Right. So now pause for a second. So you're telling me that a person is anorexic and this person has a mental issue where they believe that they're 300 pounds. They're ob- they believe in their mind. They, they are obese. And you're saying, so, so is there a sort of, is there an anorexic hospitality that we engage in hmm. whereby a person comes into our church and they are severely malnourished? I mean, they are just severely underweight 
and and we get in a, a conversation and they're like, oh yeah, I'm so fat. I'm just I'm constantly trying to lose weight. Do you agree and say you say, um, yeah, I guess you could lose a few pounds. Hey, <laughs> how you doing? No, because you we wanna we wanna be charitable. <laughs> because we wanna be hospitable. Or do we say, hold on a second, this is really destructive. Like you're destroying your body because of what you believe is in your mind. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? So then now my question is, how is that different from the person who is made in the image of God, who God determined every, look, all of the cells in their body cries out to them that they are either male or female. So how do we get to a place? And I don't care who you quote. I don't care. I don't care if it's Preston Sprinkle who believes that you can be uh, homosexual in your orientation, just don't act on it. So he makes he makes that who you are as a person. Mm. Okay, that's what the whole revoice movement is all about. Saying that you can you can be homosexual because that's who you are, <laughs> but you just don't act on it because acting on it would be sin. Excuse me, First Corinthians, Paul tells us that we were these people. That's right. But we have been washed. We have Such been purchased. That's right. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So how then do you turn your fellowship into a place where you make it comfortable for people to go to hell mm. and to live in confusion? And I look, please, because I know people are going to say, well, Miki, he said eventually he's going to get there and he's going to be honest about human sexuality. He's going to be honest about that. But he's okay. already given up the whole thing. The whole- so my question then mm-hmm. becomes what part of the presentation should the person receive from J.D. Greer? Because if you lie to them that's from good. the beginning that's good. That's a good and point. now you're going to flip it around, what part of this do I believe now? I don't I don't know if I trust you because you just referred to me as a woman when clearly I'm a man. And now you're going to tell me that I'm confused. Well, why did you validate my confusion? That's it. Because you already validated. Why did so you tell me that you was true? You're, right. So now I don't know which one of you I should believe. Do I believe the one who says, welcome to service, young woman, when I'm a man, when I'm a boy? Mm. Or do I believe the one who says God designed you uniquely in his image, male and female. He didn't make a mistake on you. Every cell in your body screams out that you are male. Do you believe that part? You see, we cannot be inconsistent in our profession of our faith and our belief. We can't have any other practice. And guys, I'm strong about this because right now I'm telling you what this does is it sets up the church for immense persecution. Yeah. When you have people who say you can be the type of Christian who acknowledges or who uses a person's preferred pronouns, and then you stand them next to Christians like me mm-hmm. and like you listening, mm-hmm. and you say, we can do nothing against the truth, only for it. You know what they say? They say, you're lying because we know Christians who use people's preferred pronouns. Mm-hmm. So you have made a choice to hate rather than love. And they also are setting up a, cu- a cushion for themselves to say, we're not like that type of Christian. They're hateful. Come on. Those people over there, that uh, AFA and that AFR, Come those on. people, they're hateful Christians. We're not like them. We accept everybody. And we so love you, the queer eye That's person. it. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And that's where we are. And let me tell you something. When you have the president of the Southern Baptist Convention saying, personally, I lean a little bit toward generosity of spirit, meaning I lean a little bit toward letting people believe that what they think of themselves in rebellion against God is true. (laughs) That's a problem for me. 
That's a problem for me. If, if a person comes into our church and they are shacking up and they are not married, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to later introduce them or pretend like, hey, and this is so-and-so's husband. Mm. Right. 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 What, what does Jesus say to the woman at the well? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he, He's like, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. The man you have now is not your husband. <laughs> he doesn't say, oh, no, no, it's okay. He, did, he doesn't practice this. What is this generosity of spirit? <laughs> what right. is that? Pronoun he's hospitality? Made, what made is up that? terms, man. What is that? <laughs> Adultery hospitality. <laughs> no. Generosity of shacking spirit. What man. is that? We, this, here's my point. My point is that does not work for anything else that the Bible condemns, only for this, and, and I'm going to tell you why, and it is what we began with on this show this week. It is because you have been conditioned to believe that if you submit to the word of God on this particular issue, mm-hmm. then you're hateful. Mm-hmm. Then you're a bigot. Yep. So we do gymnastics <laughs> up on the high bar today. J.D. Greer is going to show us how to get out of telling the truth. Mm. Oh, can he stick the landing? <laughs> can he stick the landing? Man. He goes for missionaries, uses that as a, hold on a second. This has always been a sticking point, but he will. No, he didn't stick it. Mm. No, he didn't stick it. Because here's the question. <laughs> what is our hope built on? Yeah. It's not the shifting sand of culture whereby we can find a way to intellectually get ourselves around standing on the Come word of on. God. That doesn't make you smart. Come on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this carefully. That actually makes it makes you cowardly. And I'm going to say you have to listen to these guys a lot of times because they'll start off saying like and you agree like, oh, that's good. Yeah, I agree with that. But then it seemed to always turn around to like something like what was said just now at the end. Well, I would use the, the, you know, pronoun and, you know, all this jumble. So my pastor, my pastor says I can lie when it's convenient. (laughs) My pastor says. I'm, you know, if I if I want to eventually get to the conversation about being made in the image of God, if I want to get to the conversation, if I want to have the conversation, you know, I love Laura Perry. Mm-hmm. I love Laura Perry, man. I, you know, and, and we've interviewed Laura Perry so many times. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she said in the very first interview I ever conducted with her, one of the things she said was that my mom never, ever called me Jake, which mm-hmm. was the name she chose for herself. Mm-hmm. And and she said, and my mom never, ever used male pronouns to refer to me. Mm-hmm. And you know what Laura Perry says about that? She says that was a tether to reality for her. Mm, that's, that's she so said powerful. no matter what other people said about her, no matter what other people believed and accepted about her, when she came face to face with her mother, <laughs> there was a reminder that that's not who you are. Mm. So are you going to tell me now we create safe spaces in church where people don't have to come face to face with the reality of the truth because we want to engage in pronoun hospitality? What is that? What is that? Come on, man. I'm sorry. Is that going to become a committee? Do people sign up to be a part of that group? (laughs) How are you serving your local church while I'm on the pronoun hospitality team? (laughs) What what do you do? Oh, you know, regularly practice lying. Hmm. So that we can eventually, hopefully, if it's possible, get to a conversation about who you really are and whether or not what God said in his word at the beginning is true. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take the break and we'll be right back.
888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Miki, you are too harsh. You're not charitable. <laughs> Sherry B will get your call queued up. Miki, you're a hateful bigot. 888-589-8840. I disagree with you. That's fine. <laughs> I'm t- I, you know, look, I don't know. I think, I think early on, the Lord has really, and this is something that we have to practice. We have to learn mm-hmm. to not need the praise of men or the approval of man, like to live. You have to not yeah. need the applause. If, if you do, it's going to be destructive. It's very difficult for the Lord to use someone who is easily persuaded by the praises of men. That's right. Do you understand? Because right. you're like calculating. The Lord gives you an order. You're reading the Bible. You see a, something that should be implemented, and you don't know that you can carry it out unless you're going to get the accolades mm. that you feel should go along with it. Mm. Christians, we have to live faithful lives to the Lord. The word of God above everybody's opinion. The word of God above our favorite authors. The word of God above our favorite teachers. The word of God above our favorite radio personalities. That's right. How about that? That's right. The word of God. What does the Bible say? What would the first century church have understood about human sexuality and about the human condition that in 21st century America we are trying to slide out from under? Mm. The first century church, they had a robust understanding about the condition of man and his need for a savior. That's right. And guess what? In 21st century America, we actually have that same understanding about man's need for a savior Mm -hmm. and our sin condition. However, we have found ways to excuse it away. Mm. We have found ways to, you know, I'm going to do this as we get the phone lines queued up. How about another quote from the book After the Ball published in 1989? Because here's here's the deal. The reason we have a hard time knowing whether or not we should use preferred pronouns over telling the truth Mm. is because we've been conditioned Mm. because we have seen people within the LGBTQ plus IA, (laughs) all right, community as they refer to themselves, we have seen them as victims. So we feel like they need to be protected yeah, and they need to be protected from big bad Christians who are in positions of power. Because this country is built on Judeo-Christian values, so the Christians have been in power, and you guys have been running things for a long time. And so you have hurt people with your Christianity. You've hurt people. And telling the truth, you have hurt people. <laughs> and so now we're moving away from your hurt. We, we need to be, oh, you hurt me. We need to be protected. Now, you think I'm making it up. That's part of the agenda. It's part of it. We got here by being told we were ugly, nasty people, and that homosexuals were victims and needed to be protected. And so now the Christians take it up as their mantle. We got to protect people. So and then and the definition is protection is not telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Let me read this to you and then we'll go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Um, principle five, portray gays as victims, not as aggressive challengers. <laughs> portray gays as victims, not as aggressive challengers. In any campaign to win over the public, gays must be portrayed as victims in need of protection so that straights will be inclined by reflex to adopt the role of protector. If gays present themselves instead as a strong and arrogant tribe promoting a defiantly nonconformist lifestyle, they are more likely to be seen as a public menace that warrants resistance and oppression. (laughs) For that reason, we must forego the temptation to strut our gay pride publicly to such an extent that we undermine our victim 
image. Mm. The purpose of victim imagery is to make straights feel very uncomfortable. That is to jam with shame the self-righteous pride that would ordinarily accompany and reward their anti-gay belligerence and to lay groundwork for the process of conversion. Mm. And when they speak of conversion, they mean us. They mean mm -hmm. the straights converting mm -hmm. to being gay affirming. Mm -hmm. All right. For the, for the process of conversion by helping straights identify with gays and sympathize with their underdog status. Wow. So you want wow. you want to you want to help the underdog so that way you know when they come into our church we don't tell the truth because because they've been victims mm -hmm. they've been victims Man. you know listen the truth is everybody all of us who come into church have been victims we've been victims of sin that's right we've been victims of a wicked agenda a rebellion against God that's in our DNA. And we can't overcome it. We're the underdog. You know who steps in as the victor? Jesus Christ. Amen. He leads us in victory. Amen. <laughs> We're all victims here. Paul in Romans 7, the things I don't want to do, those are the things I keep doing. The things I want to do, those are not the things that I do. So if I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do and not doing the things that I want to do, what can I say? Who's going to save me and deliver me from this body of sin? Jesus Christ. Amen. We're all victims. Man, I could I could go on in this I could go on in this chapter. I'll hold off for a second. I could go on in this chapter because I'm going to go to the phone lines here, but just know that in this very chapter, this book, this agenda in the book after the ball, in this very chapter, they say that's why those who are affiliated with Nambla can play no role in this movement. Wow. If they even suspect that we are pedophiles, that's it. <laughs> and now look at where we are now. Look at where we are. So what I'm telling you is this. Wow. So if we use, if we engage in, oh, where I wrote it down. If we engage in pronoun charity, okay, if we in uh, pronoun hospitality, then when the pedophile comes in and believes, or no, they don't call themselves minor attracted person. Hmm. If they come in, do we affirm that, that that's okay, love? And then we wait until we can get to a proper conversation where then we can challenge them on the truth of what the word of God says. You see how it doesn't work for any right. other context? Right. You see this? We've been manipulated. The truth has right. been distorted. And then we've got people that we trust in positions of leadership who are further manipulating and distorting the truth and doing it under the guise of, hey, you know, Eve, eventually we get to the truth. But we got to keep an audience with people so we can get to the truth. No, you start with the truth. Amen. You start with the truth. And I'm going to tell you why you start with the truth. Because even as I'm reading through the book of Acts with our children in the morning, I'm looking at what the Lord says is that the Lord God by his spirit is adding to their numbers. Mm. So there are some who mock, oh, these men are drunk with wine. <laughs> but then there are others who cry out, what must I do to be saved? Amen. Amen. All right. Will the Great. Let's go to the phone. All right, let's go to Stephanie in Arkansas. Hi, right, Stephanie. Um, I just love your show, and I'm so grateful for your feisty spirit and speaking truth every day. It just really refreshes me every day. God bless you. Um, I have a gay brother, and so I really understand, you know, this kind of from a personal view. And... Um, you know, I know when my brother first came out, my mom, you know, at church, she tried to get, you know, some other parents together that 
she knew they were going through the same thing, and, you know, she couldn't get any support from church people. They didn't want to touch the issue. They didn't even want to get together and and pray for their kids. They didn't want to do anything. Um, And I fully believe it's a sin. I do, however, want to ask you a question, because my mind's kind of changing on this, and I want to see where you guys, you know, what your opinion is. Mm -hmm. So for these, these gays that, you know, they come in, they want you to bake the cake or whatever, and... You know, they throw a fit if the Christian won't bake them the cake. You know, when the when the Christian doesn't bake the cake, it you know, it's because they have they it's obvious they're homosexual. But how many of those couples that come in are living, you know, even Christians living together, having sex before marriage? I know mm-hmm. I was guilty of that, even as a Christian, I did that. Mm-hmm. I know that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Or how many of those people that come in have pornography in their life or these different sins? Mm-hmm. And we don't call them out. And we don't ask them, you know, so I'm just wondering, have we thrown too much of a stink about that? Should we just bake the cake and say, you know, sin no more. Oh, we don't agree Stephanie. with you, but we'll bake the cake. Stephanie, this is a great question. Mm-hmm. I love this question, question, Stephanie. Now, let me unpack something for you. And if you could just listen on the line and then we'll get ready to go to the next caller. Unless, unless Stephanie, if she hangs on, if she wants to come back, that'll be fine. Allow me a second here because this is a complex yet simple question, okay? The question of baking a cake or arranging flowers is a question of an expression of a gift that you have been given to communicate a message with which you disagree. Mm -hmm. So if someone comes into a baker's shop and asks that baker to create art that says, we shack up and we love it. I would imagine that Jack Phillips would say, no, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Because keep in mind, Jack Phillips didn't make cakes that celebrated divorce either. He didn't make Halloween cakes. Right. So he can serve all people, Mm -hmm. but he will not express all messages. Mm. So this is a difference that we have to understand that makes a big deal in the life of the believer. It is a question of affirmation. Yeah. So if a person comes in and they want a cake that expresses a biblical marriage, No, these bakers are not sitting down and interviewing them to know what their life history is, but they can express art that expresses marriage as between a man and a woman. It is beautiful in God's sight, right? But when a person comes in and says, I need you to express that marriage is between a man and a man or a woman and a woman, now you've asked me to violate my conscience. If you come in and you ask me to bake a cake that says, Two people living together out of wedlock is okay. And you want me to write that on? I'm not. Now you've asked me to violate my conscience. So this is the question that we have to wrestle with, that we have to, I say wrestle with, we have to understand. People will serve all people. Hmm. Baronel Studsman made flowers. I, she didn't make flowers. God makes flowers, right? <laughs> she, she had pre-made them. floral mm-hmm. arrangements. But she would not uniquely design, she would not use her artistic ability to uniquely design flowers in support of something that she found, biblically speaking, abominable to God. Yeah. So we live in a country, well, while we still can, we can still hold those convictions. But this is a huge difference. And this is a great question that Stephanie is asking. Look, there are pastors who say, look, marriage is honorable. We want people to get married. But they're not going to just let somebody just waltz in there and say, okay, you're a candidate for marriage. Let's do it. Right. Usually pastors are like, we need to go through counseling. Right. 
We need to talk. Like, uh, th- there are things that need to be done here. <laughs> right. This is look. This is Christian living. What is happening now is that Christians are being forced to not faithfully live out publicly what their convictions are. Right. I hope that makes sense. I hope that Stephanie sees the difference here. This is not a question of serving all people. Mm-hmm. This is a question of communicating all messages. If someone came into my bakery and asked me to bake a cake and to write on it that black people are the N-word, should I be forced to do that? Should I, should I out of love for them and because I want to keep my business, should I express that viewpoint? Should I put that on a cake? <laughs> no, I shouldn't be forced to do that. Neither should Jack Phillips be forced to express a thought that he doesn't have. And that's where we are in this country. So no, with regard to that, Stephanie, I don't think that we're making too big a deal because what we're fighting for is our right to conscience in practice, mm-hmm. not just at home. Let's go back to the phone lines. All right, let's go to Michelle in Texas. Hi, Michelle. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I was reading in the Bible one day, and God um, revealed to me that in the beginning, he separated light from darkness. It is separate. There's no gray areas. If you think there's a gray area, that's, you know, what tr- somebody trying to convince you that light and darkness is mixed, that's a deception. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be light of the world. We're supposed to expose the darkness and the that's dark right. deeds. And a sign of true love is you tell people the truth. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be condemning about it. Mm-hmm. But if you truly care about somebody, you'll tell them the truth. Because I was going to hell before somebody told me the truth. That's right. Mm. And they didn't sit there and kiss up to me and baby mm-hmm. me. They just told me the truth. And the truth is convicting. And once you're convicted, then you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm the one that's wrong. Thank mm. you so much, Amen. Michelle. Amen. I agree 100%. Squeeze in one more. Let me try one more. Let's go to Jerry in Texas. Hi, Jerry. Hello, Addison. Hello. Hello. Hey, thank you for being a voice of truth. Um, I just wanted to say that if uh, we have this concept that we can self-identify, then shouldn't we be able to go to court and say, Your Honor, I don't identify with those fingerprints anymore. That's not me who's <laughs> guilty of this crime. Right. Or should we be able to say to a doctor, I don't identify with that blood type. This is the type I want to be. If we're going to allow science to be so um, fickle, then uh, how can we allow this to happen? How can we uh, allow science to suddenly no longer be factual, but to be all emotionally based? Yes, yes. This thank is, you, Jerry. Th- thank you so much, Jerry. This is what this is goes back to what I was saying. What we're talking about is feelings over facts. Right. Facts versus feelings. I want to do one other thing. I know we're coming to the end of the show. I want to instruct, if I could, my sister Stephanie to read Ephesians chapter five and to start at verse seven, because when we're asked our opinion. I don't want to make. Sh- I, I don't want it to appear that our opinion usurps the authority of the Word of God. Right. If you read in Ephesians chapter five, the Apostle Paul is instructing every single every single believer to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, rather to expose them. Mm-hmm. And then he tells us to discern, to learn what is pleasing to God, Amen. and to do those things. So I would just instruct our sister to go back and read that. All right, we're out of time for today. Thank you for listening. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.